Life can take us on unexpected paths that leave us with emotional wounds and scars. But these scars do not have to be a burden that we carry alone. I'm Jocelyn Biederset, a childhood sexual assault survivor, and this is Invisible Scars, a podcast where we connect and learn from those who have come out stronger on the other side of trauma. In this week's episode, I am sitting down with Shannon Jenkins. Shannon is the host of the Starting Over podcast, and today she opens up to us about her experience in a narcissistic relationship. We talk about her own healing journey, and she gives us advice to anyone who is trying to navigate a similar situation. So Shannon, welcome to Invisible Scars. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I've been following you on Instagram for a little while. We've talked a little bit back and forth, and I just love your content. So for anyone who's listening, if you don't follow Shannon, um, I'll we'll talk about it at the end of where they can find you. But you have fantastic content. Thank you very much. You can tell you put a lot of work into it. So, you know, before we get into your story, which I have been catching up on your story and it's incredible. And I know a lot of people who are listening are going to, are just going to find so much value in what you have to say. But at the beginning of every episode, I love for my guests to share with everybody something that you do every day to kind of keep your mental health in check, to keep your spirits high. What is, what is the thing that you do? I always do a morning meditation. Mm-hmm. And some days that looks like that inner voice blabbering on, never stopping. And some days I have those moments where I feel that inner peace and tranquility. And it's the refuge from sometimes the chaotic, hectic outer world. So yes, always a morning meditation for grounding, mm-hmm. for centering, for peace ultimately. Yeah, for sure. So when you do it, are you looking at gratitude? What are you really leaning towards when you do your morning meditations that you found helpful? It depends what I'm working on, to be honest. And that, and it has differed depending on what I'm working through at that moment in time. As I'm sure we'll come on to with a bit of my story and healing from narcissistic abuse, a common theme for anyone who is healing from toxic relationships is there will be deep-rooted scars of not being enough, always. It will always come up. You're unlovable. You're unworthy. You don't deserve love on a deep level, on a subconscious level more often than not. And honestly, Jessalyn, it's been the thing that has appeared in my life on so many occasions in so many different ways. And I find that it takes conscious effort to rewrite the narrative and meditation and active effort to rewire the subconscious, whether that be through emotional freedom technique, tapping, or meditation and then affirmations. All of this counts to create that shift in identity, to step into the new version of you. And it's a work in progress, right? But it does take daily consistent effort. Yeah, honestly, listening to you talk, two things. First of all, I could listen to you speak all day. Your your accent is just beautiful. I <laughs> I could listen to you all day. Um, but also it actually makes me tear up so much because what you're saying is you're describing me right now where I'm at in my life. And you're right, the rewriting that narrative and that story in your head of you are enough, you are worthy, you do deserve love, you, you know, it's it's so hard. And I'm working on that myself right now through meditation, through journaling and many different forms, but it's hard. And I think too, I don't know if you experienced this, but for myself, I didn't realize how much I didn't love myself until I started to really unravel healing and all this other thing, how hard I was being on myself and how I didn't actually believe I deserved love or respect or any of the things that I want so badly. 
Mm, I resonate so deeply and I'm sure so many people listening are the same. You know, I've also realized that there is something I think in the collective consciousness with women that particularly have this. Uh, I see it so much more than I do with men. We are often caught in those consequence spirals of procrastination, self-doubt, perfectionism, inner critic, and it comes up time and again. But hey, we're not alone. (laughs) No, totally. We are not alone. You know, I would love for you to share a bit about your backstory um, and your history. It's such an incredible story. And I love that we're touching on narcissistic abuse because my listeners on Instagram, this is a huge topic. This is something that goes beyond just romantic relationships. I mean, we see it a ton in families and friendships and it shows up in the partners we pick. So please share with us a little bit about your story. Yes. Well, before I go into the narcissistic relationship, I think what's important is to look deeper into the childhood stuff that so many of us either spend a lot of time avoiding until the point where we have a wake-up call. And that often comes in the form of a difficulty. And for me, that, that was what ended up becoming an abusive relationship. So I had an absent father. In fact, I didn't know my father. He didn't even know I was born and I met him for the first time when I was 19 years old. And I was, I remember I was living in Perth in Australia and went to catch a flight to him, see him that day on the other side of the country. And what a moment to like meet your father for the first time. I remember thinking, am I even going to know what he looks like? I've never even seen a photo. Is there going to be something there? Am I going to know that it's him? And I think why this is important is because it made me realize that there had been a long-standing abandonment wound. It's really common, but the sense of the not being enough, of not being safe, of not being supported. And that was one of the reasons why I ended up in this narcissistic relationship. So I met this guy. He was hilarious. Like I'm talking next next level hilarious. He was a manager of a comedy club in central London, Soho. He bribed my mother with a a bottle of wine. He said at the door, if your daughter goes out with me, uh, I will let you in for free. And my mother, being my mother, was like, yes, she'll do that. I'll take the wine. Usher us all in. And it started this love bombing phase. Anyone familiar with narcissism will know that there is a period of time where the narcissist will be intentionally interested in you. There will be big demonstrations of love, of affection, of loyalty. They will create a sense of intensity in the relationship. Like you've, you've met your soulmate. You've met this person mm-hmm. that is exactly right for you. And it is intentional because they will ask you questions and you potentially, like me, being an open book or a bit more loving, open, honest, you will, you will show, you will bear your wounds and they will use that ultimately to manipulate you. So we had this relationship and I moved from London to Australia when I was pregnant with our son. And from the moment of commitment, this is really key. A common trait is that when a commitment has been made in the form of engagement, of moving in together, of marrying, behavior quickly shifts. And that's because there's a sense of they've won you over, they've got you now. And that's when I started having more controlling behaviors and much more criticism of who I am. I'm not good enough. I am not. And of course, this all just 
reinforces those unconscious beliefs that I had, right? It creates mm-hmm. that, that spiral and that's what you wake up to. You know, it's interesting too what you say about it's key that once there's a commitment formed, like moving in or engagement or whatever, that that's when it kind of starts. And it makes me just think like, there must be a reason for that because in your head, as the person who is being treated this way, you're thinking, okay, but this isn't who they really are because before this, they were so loving. They were so kind. They were so, you know, all these things. And so you keep waiting for that person to come back. And that's probably a big part of why you don't leave. Exactly. You've hit the nail on the head. Psychologists would call it cognitive dissonance. You don't like that it's not adding up. It's confusing and it creates an inner sense of confusion. And if you have the tendency to be self-doubting, of course, that's very easy to manipulate. And that's exactly what I found myself in. You know, my question would be, do, in that in those moments, were you thinking to yourself, what have I done to make him be this way? Yes, that did come up. I think there was, for me, predominantly excuses around moving to another place, stress associated with work, maybe because we decided to have a baby. That mm-hmm. could have been an additional layer of stress. I don't think I took so much of it on myself, but but Making definitely excuses surrounding circumstances. For his exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. So how how is your family? Like, did they, did your mom, your friends think that he was still this lovely person? Was that part of an, a layer of confusion around it? Yes, definitely. Another mm-hmm. common, a common hallmark, right? So I think my friends, my family, a couple had said, okay, he's a bit unusual. But more often than not, they said, I couldn't think of anyone more perfect for you. I can't, cannot think of somebody who suits you more than him. You've got this. And part of the healing was I did have to let some family members go. And that's really, really hard, realizing mm-hmm. that his narrative won over some people. And I had to make the break to say, okay, that's not on me. And I need to be brave enough to step away from my own, my own well-being as hard as that is. Mm -hmm. That is so hard. Like this huge season of loss. I talk about that a lot when you start to like make changes and start to heal and really set boundaries. It's this really big season of loss that nobody really talks about. Mm, I agree. Australia from London to Australia for him um things start to unravel what happens next so what happens next this was an unexpected shift in my life and I had completed three years of four years of university in London it was always the premise that we would go to Australia for one year and then return back to England so I could complete my university studies and of course in the meantime he had set up a company I didn't know the full details, but there were a lot of hidden money, offshore accounts, unscrupulous behavior. And he said, we're not going back. I'm not letting you go back. And if you try, I will report you to the authorities. And the threats came in hard and fast from that point onwards. Anyone who knows the themes of narcissism will know that this is often a time where the bark bark can be worse than the bite. 
And that is because they are feeling so triggered and so fearful that they will offload massively onto you. But I didn't know this at the time because I didn't have a label for this. I didn't know what narcissism was or sociopathy was. And I just knew that I felt trapped and I was trapped. Mm. And what ended up happening was a two year long court battle that I always say is just like watching a Netflix series. In fact, I couldn't watch many of these Netflix series because I was there incredibly (laughs) anxious going, oh my gosh, this is literally describing my life. What have you done? Naive 21 year old. (laughs) Oh, Shannon, goodness me. Life gives you a few lessons, doesn't it? Oh God. yeah. Yeah. So was the reason for this because you two had a child together? So he was threatening to not let you take the child. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And how was his relationship with your guys' child? Hard to say because we separated quite early. So I think there was always an underlying level of fear around how he would actually treat our son. And it was difficult to have to, to let him go as such. But then I also had to make peace with the fact, well, he is his dad, but he's still present in his life. We still communicate with way better boundaries now, I've got to say. And mm-hmm. the tables have turned. And the only reason for that is because there was a significant court judgment which put him in his place. So I think for anyone who ever finds themselves in a situation with somebody narcissistic, whether that be a family member, a boss, a colleague, an intimate partner, boundaries are your best friend. And if the that said person reacts, do not interpret that as being a bad thing. You know, I had to really make peace with the fact that there would be retaliations to me saying, no, this is unacceptable, or no, I will not let you talk to me in this way. No, I will not be replying to any email if you do not communicate in said manner. But it's what led to a massive shift and the power dynamic changed. So I think if there's any temptation to cower, to continue playing inferior, which is of course where they want to keep you, you will get stuck there. And that's not what we want. (laughs) That is not what we want. I'm curious to know what the turning point was when you knew you had to leave that relationship. There was one night where we had a really bad fight and I remember being so, so hurt, so emotional, crying and our baby being six months old on the floor and it brings tears to my eyes like how he looked up at me and I could see the fear in his face and I thought, you have got to do something and if you can't do it for you, you're going to do it for your, you're going to do it for your son. And I picked him up and I said, we're going to make this work. I had no money. He controlled all the finances. I was in a country that I did not live in previously. I did not have my family around me, but I knew I had to leave. And you know what? It worked. And I cannot believe how, you know, I thanked that girl for the courage that she found in those hardest moments. And oftentimes the most difficult experiences we have, as much as they can leave invisible scars as you talk about on your podcast they can also be the opening to something really beautiful if you allow it to be it can crack you open into more authenticity more vulnerability more courage on the deep on a deeper level not on this surface level and that was absolutely my experience it enabled me to find my true power and that's when my life changed 
so beautifully said, first of all. Like, I absolutely love that. That is so beautifully said. And, you know, I talk a ton about trusting your gut. And I have always heavily relied on my gut. It's something my husband and I, you know, in the beginning of our relationship, he didn't understand the choices I would make based on my gut feelings and my body and not logic and what society tells you that you should rely on. But it all I can picture, like as you're describing that moment of your baby looking up at you and all I can think is like your body knew and you knew you'd had enough and it didn't matter that you were afraid of you had no money or you're in a different country or what it was. You knew in your mind, body, soul, spirit that it was you were done. You needed to make a different choice and you would figure it out however you had to. Mm, to add on to that, intuition is so important and we're so severed mm-hmm. from it. We're severed from it because we have a stream of incessant thoughts, more often than not, which cut us from the quiet whispers that our intuition arrives to us in that. And I, more so than leaving him, I knew when I met him, if I'm honest with myself, that something was off, that something was off. It gives me chills actually thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And whether, whether we believe that our intuition is our subconscious mind and all of this information that we have stored that isn't present in our conscious and therefore we're drawing upon that to make informed decisions or whether it is something to do with our higher self or spirit or consciousness, depend, however you want to interpret that, mm-hmm. it's a real phenomenon. It's been scientifically proven that we have intuition and that we have a deeper instinctual knowing that it is at our detriment to not listen to. And I knew the first time that I met him, I went back and did a Facebook stalk because, you know, that's what you did in 2014, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What is this guy? What is he? And I saw a photo of him and I, I, something sounded in me, an inner alarm that said, something's off. There's darkness there. But what did I do? I did what so many of us do, which is- Went head first. Yes. You you self-abandon, you self-reject because you privilege your so-called logical, rational mind. And I thought, There's, this doesn't add up because his behaviors are demonstrating one thing. And this image or perception that I have of him based on an intuitive knowing isn't in alignment with that. But in reality, I'll say that was one of the biggest lessons that I took out of that was do not ever ignore your intuition again. Honestly, Shannon, I'm like, you. I'm coming out of my chair as Shannon's talking right now because I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Like, I hear you so loudly. And I think too, like for everyone who's listening, how many times have has something happened and you thought back to the beginning and thought, ooh, I think I kind of knew that it was going to turn out that way. Oh, I knew. Like, your body doesn't lie. You know, your intuition doesn't lie. And I, I'm so excited to talk to you about this, actually, because um, I read on your website that you found this different spirituality and like the old you would have really scoffed at that. And I just, my jaw dropped because I was like, that's me. Like this is, I think it's like something to do with healing. And you just like really discover this new version of yourself and you really start to trust yourself and you really start to believe in a different way of thinking. And the old me would have looked at the me now and been like, okay, like really, but I really just truly believe in my body, a different like energies. I don't, I don't know what kind of like spiritual beliefs you have, but I truly believe in energies. And I believe that my body is more powerful than we honestly can even perceive. Yes, I agree. 
And I think that people people often think that intuition or intuitive hits are something outside of themselves when they're not. There's something that is experienced in your body. It's called gut feelings for a reason, right? But going mm-hmm. back to what you said about scoffing about the spirituality, my best friend jokes, I would love to put like old Shannon and new Shannon together <laughs> and like set you in a pen and go and debate and fight because I'm sure it would have been to the death because old me would have gone, mm-hmm. what is this? What is this? And then there were a series of events that happened, coincidences that I, that just I could not explain that I thought there's got to be something, there's got to be something here. And that actually led me to my current husband and being in Switzerland. Now there was a series of doors that started opening that I thought, wow, this is, this is unusual. To give you another example, the day that I, I left my partner and I found a new place to move into, I didn't know what to do. Like I said, I had no money. I ended up fortunately mm-hmm. getting a payout from the government for having a new child that I didn't know that I was entitled to. And it got me through to start. It was that bad. And I found a place. And the day that I moved into this new house, there was a rainbow from one side of the house to the other, a full rainbow. And it it literally gives me chills, like saying that now, because I thought, okay, that is, that is my, that is a sign, you know, like this is, you're, you're absolutely terrified right now. You do not know what the next step is going to be, how this is going to work out for you mm-hmm. and your son. But there is a sign here that's saying you are on the right path. Keep going, dig deep, find your courage, find your inner strength and keep moving forward. You are on the right path. So really, I, it, you know, I really encourage people to, to spend more time getting quiet and to listen to these signs. And I know that it can be difficult, especially when you have a history of trauma and a very noisy head as well. It can be really difficult to distinguish between what is actually intuition and what is fear or trauma speaking. But I, I think there's something in paying attention to chills, into little synchronicities, into coincidences of things that you can't explain, and particularly of the inner energy you feel around something. Like, do you, are, are you, are you feeling lit up by something, a joy or conversely, the other thing, a tightening, you're like, oh, something's off. They're the things to start paying attention to. I love this. And I, this is something I do so often. I honestly, like, this is how I run my life. And I don't do much anymore without, you know, feeling what I need to feel about it. And even sometimes if something doesn't seem like financially it's the right thing, or it's not, you know, on paper, it's something that you really should, should or shouldn't do. I really, really dig deep and I get quiet and I listen. And I love what you said about um, trauma survivors and having all like a very noisy head. That was probably my biggest obstacle, to be honest, was learning how to be quiet, be comfortable in the quiet, be comfortable in the stillness. But I truly believe it's like one of the biggest pillars of my healing process is being able to do that. Are you a fan of the human design? I, not particularly, actually. Really? Okay. Have you looked into it much? A little bit. I'm fascinated by it. I really, I love learning more about myself too. And I think like when you start to find something 
that you can learn more about yourself and things start to really make sense. And then you can like make decisions based on who you truly are. It just like lights me up. And I've really found a lot of great information in there and it's helped me a lot. So anyone who's listening, take a look. It's not for everyone, that's for sure, but it can be really interesting to learn more about yourself and how you are able to heal and function in these really difficult times. Mm. So with that being said, you know, what is um, some of the processes that you really leaned on in your healing from all of this? I think there are, there are two aspects to this. So one, there was the healing that came with separating from my partner and processing the grief around that because there was grief because there was betrayal. Betrayal in the mm. form of, wow, I loved this person with my whole open heart and it was disingenuous. It wasn't real. He played me. And that cuts deep. So there were there was a healing process to do with that relationship, grieving the loss of the family of the of the marriage that I thought that I would have. And their societal expectations, you know, it's not easy to leave with a six-month-old child. And in in that process, there was a lot around emotional healing, in particular because, as I said, there was a lot of hostility in the legal case. He accused my partner, my now current partner, of pedophilia. He reported me to the child protective services saying I'd abused our son. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of false accusations, which really align with these kind of personality disorders too, because there's no shame in, in terms of lying and finding ways to circumvent the law. And with that, I think I needed to process in particular the heavy emotions that came with it. I always say, do not swallow your anger. It is like drinking poison. You do not do that to yourself. You can set boundaries with other people. You don't need to show everyone else that you're going through this, but do not just stuff it down and store it away because it will manifest as illness in your body Mm -hmm. and instead find ways to have healthy release. So for me, that looked like sometimes going into my closet and smashing something, the pillow against the wall and be like, I'm so mad that you've done this to me and that you're hurting me and that, et cetera. Yeah. And I followed a few retreats around that theme too, in terms of body-based somatic healing, which I always encourage people to do because I think, I mean, this is of course trending much more now in terms of nervous system regulation and understanding that there are limitations to talk therapy. It can, under, you can, it can help you to understand your cognitive behaviors. What is your self-talk like? How are you, what are your beliefs about yourself? What gets in the way of you living the life that you want to live? But it can very easily stay on a superficial level and not get, get down to the real healing. And I believe that's when you start looking at the nervous system, getting out of sympathetic fight, flight, freeze, mode and finding more inner calm and stability so that was a big piece for me actually and a time really came where I needed to as I said release these emotions Mm -hmm. and you'll often find that it comes in layers I don't know if any of you listening where you're at right now in your healing journeys but you'll find that there can be some emotions that mask others and something like anger will be It will be something that keeps you in sympathetic mode because it gives you access to a force, to a power. And even if you're scared of your anger, it's a way of staying alive and moving forward. It has an active energy, but it really is masking pain and fear. And the more that you go into the healing journey, the more you'll realize, actually, there is a 
little girl, likely, or boy inside of you that is really afraid right now, and that's okay. And you need to hold that person with love to be able to find the strength within you to move forward. So that was a very big piece for me. And then I would say the other angle is you start asking yourself more questions about why you're in the situation you're in, the choices that you have made that have led you to the life that you are living. Because every day Mm -hmm. we make a series of choices that are a vote for the person we want to be and become. And at some point you go, wow, (laughs) why why did I do that? Why did I choose a narcissistic partner? Hello. And for me, that led into looking deeper into childhood. And of course, there were themes, like I'm sure so many of you listening, trauma experienced in childhood, difficulties in relationships with your parents or with other family members, potentially abuse or assault or neglect. And you will realize that there is something deeper there to explore. But I genuinely believe that that can bring you so much liberation. I think that's why people who start on this journey, you find you want to keep going. You mm. want to find more, right? You start getting more curious. You start asking yourself more questions. And especially for those who start opening to spirituality as well, you start realizing, wow, I have had this voice in my head that is saying this, this, and this about me for so long. Is it possible that that isn't me? Is it possible that there is something else underneath here that I haven't looked at? I don't know if this is resonating mm-hmm. with you, Jessalyn. Oh, so much. I'm like so much. And honestly, thinking about my own healing journey and taking it back to childhood, I love what you said about how, you know, the inner child work and how a lot of this stems from when we're children. And I think that for me, especially that rings so true. And throughout this process, there's been so many aha moments that you're right. I needed to know more. I need to dig a little bit deeper there. I have to understand a little bit more. And once you start having those aha moments, it's like a light bulb goes off. It's like a little bit of that weight on you keeps shedding off. And it's not an excuse for your behavior, but it's really, really nice to know why you've made the decisions you've made and to be a little softer and kinder to yourself. Absolutely. A quote that I love by Carl Jung is, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll call it fate. What does that mean? Mm. It means that we, most of us, spend our lives in a trance. And by that, I mean, we go about our daily business, not often asking ourselves these deeper questions, not really understanding why we are the way that we are. But then that makes us at the mercy of life, that things are just happening to us, that we are not in control in some essence of what we're doing. But actually, I think as we go on this healing process, you realize, wow, okay, there is this whole layer that has been buried under the surface that if I come in and I shine my little torch and I light this place up, I'm going to access greater freedom. And that's just beautiful. It is so beautiful. I love that you said that. You know, it's funny too, because I often look at my own healing journey as being on one side of a curtain and on the other. And it was like, once I pulled that curtain open and I went to the other side, there was no way I could go back and live in that trance because I also really see it that way of, you know, surrounding yourself with the same conversations and the same toxic behaviors and your own toxic behaviors and never getting curious about who you are or why you are 
making the choices you're making that's making your life unhappy. And I could never, ever go back now. Mm, yes. It's common. And I'm sure you feel the same. Yes. Yeah. It it makes it harder to to accept your excuses, I find. Mm, yeah, for <laughs> sure. So for anyone who's navigating something similar, um, you know, these these narcissistic relationships are so difficult to get out of. Is there any advice that you would like to share with anybody? Don't be hasty to leave. It's interesting I say that because a lot of people will feel a lot of people feel guilty for staying longer than they should in these relationships. Mm -hmm. And there is some such thing as trauma bonding. There's a whole neurochemical concoction going on. That means that you are deeply attached to this person. However, I think if I look back and at the choice that I made in particular to leave, I'm glad I left when I did. And then at the same time, I was not prepared. I was not informed. And I would say for anybody who has woken up to the fact that they are in a relationship with a narcissist, know that often the process of leaving is the most difficult. It's often what keeps people stuck in the relationship. I can understand why. You know, you're never going to find fulfillment, joy, peace, happiness in that relationship. It will not happen. And, but it is so important to have a plan for, to leave. And that is very, very practical. You know, people, we talk about the healing in, and in ways that can be very fluffy, but actually in terms of extricating yourself from a difficult relationship, do things like inform yourself of your legal rights, understand, mm. change, your, change your passwords, make sure that you have a support network around you, phone a hotline to understand what some of the usual repercussions are. These are all like strategic things that actually will help you to feel much more confident, prepared and able to take that step to leave. So that's a really big piece that I would mm -hmm. start with. In terms of the healing, as I said, I think there is a, a process of the, um, the emotional piece for sure. And knowing that it's okay to have all of these big emotions and this confusion also around the relationship because you will have been gaslit. You will have been made to believe that so much of this is on you when it's not. And that takes some time to unravel but it is absolutely mm -hmm. possible to do so. You know, thinking about that part of it and thinking back to you at that stage with your like little six month old baby, you know, starting over is just not easy. It's just not easy on any level, especially when you're coming at it from years of living with a narcissistic partner, just like completely breaking you down. Also a new mother, huge huge thing right there. And I think like one thing everybody who's listening, who is trying to navigate something like this would want to know, you know, because starting over is not easy. And you shared when you shared that, you know, it lines, it aligns so much with the theme of invisible scars to being open to connection with others and finding our voice. And I would love if you could like just share some advice on that and on the starting over and picking up the pieces and not being afraid. Mm. It's not, not being afraid you will be afraid and that's perfectly okay. You can be scared and you can still take action. And the important thing is knowing you are not alone. There will mm. always be people, resources around to help you. I did not go through this process alone and I never could have, especially in light of the how serious the legal case was as well and how complicated that became. I needed to find support network around me of allies that's that was really important so 
I think in the context of starting over in some capacity, and of course, this is the the theme of, of my podcast, I approach it from different angles, but I think change is always going to be difficult. And yet it is, as the old cliche goes, it is the the only constant in life at the Mm. same time and it can be an invitation to let go let go of our identities like I said for me that was a lot of that was I wanted to have this type of marriage and relationship and it didn't work out like that I had to let go of that belief of that hope of that aspiration that I had and and it worked it happened but I think it's knowing that these things happen piece by piece and mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be a clean break and all of a sudden you're into your new life. It's learning how to master the transition period. And that is frightening. That's why I said about accepting that fear is there because there is going to be so much uncertainty and confusion around what is this next chapter of my life going to look like? Who am I going to become in this process of, mm-hmm. of overcoming this new hurdle? And yet that is where the beauty often lies. You know, for years I had a quote by Mandy Hale in my bathroom and it was, enjoy the beauty of becoming. For when nothing is certain, anything is possible. The more we can learn to become comfortable or at least less uncomfortable with uncertainty, the more we will be able to live expansive, joyful lives. It's hard, Mm -hmm. but it is possible. It's so true. You know, I would love for you to tell everybody about your podcast. Mm. So Starting Over was really born out of my own story. With Starting Over, as I've just described to you, with leaving a narcissistic partner, moving to where I now live in Switzerland, married to a beautiful man who was the most gorgeous support. I mean, it was just the gift life gave me. And I could not imagine how how much better my life would get. So for anyone who's in a place where you're like, I cannot see the end of this right now. I cannot, I don't know what is going to come of this period. Stay Mm -hmm. hopeful because you know what? Things can work out so much better than you expected. And that is exactly what happened in my case. And I realized that there are so many people who have starting over stories to share. So many people who have faced these really flooring moments of trauma, of hardship, of loss, and have risen through that to become stronger, mm-hmm. wiser, more resilient. And they're the stories that I want to share with people. And I think they're the stories that connect us and make us feel part of a greater whole, right? This mm-hmm. isn't superficial. And this is what I love about your podcast too. It's like, no, I'm keeping this real. This is real life. This is not what you're sold in a magazine or sold on a movie because you know that definitely Disney probably made me fall for a narcissist because you know a hundred percent but this is this is real this is real life this is real life and sometimes things get really difficult but it can be the invitation to step up into a better version of yourself Mm, I love that and it's so true because this is real life these things are happening in the world and you know, in this human experience, none of us are going to get out of this unscathed. We're all going to have something that we have to overcome. And I really just believe the only way for us to do that is to share our stories on how we survived it. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. It's beautiful. Um, Shannon, where can everybody find you? 
you can find me first on the Starting Over podcast. So if you search that on Apple, Spotify, all the places, I think if you're enjoying Jessalyn's podcast, you'll probably really like that one as well. We're 100 episodes strong now. So that's um, amazing. It's been, it's been very yeah, beautiful to connect. And as you say, uh, fi- finding the strength in the story. I love that. So she, mm-hmm. even what I do now in my coaching is helping people to, to share their stories. And um, you can also find me on Instagram at startershannonjenkins.co and they're the two main places I would say. That's amazing. Shannon, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that today's episode provided insight, inspiration, and comfort to anyone who is dealing with the effects of trauma. Remember, you are not defined by your scars and you are not alone in your healing journey. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure to rate, review, and share this episode with a friend who could benefit from listening. We'll see you next week.